0: Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supported environment. Today is Monday... October 26th, 2020. I'm Shannon, and I'm here tonight with Brooke and Melissa, and we are talking about memoirs. We did a memoir episode last year. Um, I think Natalia and Amber did it with us last year, but we are back with more fantastic memoirs. So before I turn it over to Brooke, who will start us off, I want to give you the usual housekeeping information. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And now, Brooke, whenever you are ready.
1: Cool. So the first book that I'm going to talk about tonight is Know My Name, a memoir by Chanel Miller. And this book is about a woman who was sexually assaulted on the Stanford campus. And even though all the procedures happened and, like, everything kind of went, in quotes, good, like, went proper, um, her accuser only ended up getting six months. So yeah. she um, she ended up publishing her... Um, not publishing, but like releasing her impact victim impact statement on the um, on Buzzfeed, and it ended up going viral. And so, by this going viral, she was able to um, influence some of the California laws when it comes to sexual assault and things like that, and also the judge. Um, was recused that um or i can 't remember exactly what 's called, but he he no longer has his position,
2: so oh. I thought that was
1: really i thought that was really neat um so her book is like it it 's full of emotion like it 's a very very hard book to read, but I think it 's an important book to read because I feel as though people need to know that if it happens to them like they 're not the only one. And they need to know that that things can like you can come not like you can't get you're not gonna get over it, but you're but you can get like you can find yourself again. So in this book, Chanel talks about the whole process and how when you're a victim of a sexual assault, you almost get re victimized when you go through the whole legal process. And she talked about how um, the legal system is kind of made where the people like rich people kind of get off and like they don't get as long as less fortunate people and also like people um, I guess the the guy who um, Brock Turner who sexually assaulted her he was a kind of he was going places so I think that also played into his short um incarceration.
0: So yeah, there was all this talk about how he was like, you know, his whole life shouldn't be ruined by this. Exactly. I'm not sure why not, but it shouldn't, they say.
1: And also she talks a lot about how like her state of mind and how she is feeling through this whole process and how um, the whole process, it not only affected her, but it also affected her family so she talks about how her sister had to take off um different times from school first of all to go into like to be able to um like support her but also to be on the stand and oh. a couple times like the the court case was like pushed put to a different day so that she'd have to take off more time so overall like i found this book as I said, like heart, it, was, it, was, it was kind of gut-wrenching. It was really hard to read. But at the same time, I think it's really important. So this book is Know My Name, a memoir by Chanel Miller.
0: This is on my list of things to read.
2: Sounds good. I'll have to pick this one up.
0: All right, so I also have a sexual assault memoir from my first pick. This is, What is a Girl Worth? My story of breaking the silence and exposing the truth about Larry Nasser and USA Gymnastics by Rachel Den Hollander. And this case was so publicly spread um, back when it was going on. And I'd always kind of wondered, like, what the backstory was and how, you know, how did he get away with it for so many years and, you know, what finally prompted people to come forward. And so I was really, really glad to see a book written about this situation, not from like an outside perspective, but by one of the women who was victimized by Larry Nassar. So Rachel Denhollander actually grew up in Michigan. um, not about 250 miles from where I currently live. And she was a gymnast. And when she was injured during her rehearsal, she was sent to the Michigan State campus where Larry Nasser was a practicing sports medicine doctor. And over the course of her treatment, he very, very blatantly molested her and she was concerned about this obviously and she wanted to come forward right away but she knew that because he's so powerful so like well loved by people in his community that it was going to take a lot more than one person to bring him to justice so she kind of held on to her experiences for years and finally and i think like 2016 um, someone was interviewed and talked about her own experience with Larry Nasser that was really similar to Rachel's. And so after that, after she saw this other survivor come forward, she decided that it was now time to add her voice to this other woman's. And as this case was built against Larry Nasser, hundreds of women came forward um, girls who were molested by him when they were like as young as six years old. And they're now, you know, teenagers and adult women. And by the end of this case, there was something like 175 women who gave victim impact statements against Larry Nasser. Totally. So what I loved about this book is just the, the sense of female empowerment of all of these women joining together to stand up for their right to receive medical treatment without being abused. Um, You can watch these victim impact statements online, which I did after I read this book. And all of these women are just so incredibly courageous for coming forward and speaking their truth and not allowing him to further victimize them. Um, as he, you know, tried to do in defending himself. So this, like Brooks Chanel Miller' memoir, is not at all an easy read. It asks us to look at the people in our lives who are in power, and to pay attention to what people are saying and not just dismiss the hard and ugly truth because we don't want to face it. So I really enjoyed this. I think it is a very deep and poignant and as Brooke said an important read this is what is a girl worth my story of breaking the silence and exposing the truth about larry nasser and usa gymnastics by rachel den hollander
2: wow that's another good one yes <laughs> this yes, book's on my so tbr list yeah
0: there's also a true, like a true crime account of this case called "The Girls."
2: The um, girls, yeah, I've read that yeah, one.
0: I, did you? Okay,
2: I have not okay, read yeah, that I one. Yeah, I read that one. It was pretty powerful and moving as well. I guess I will continue to continue the trend.
0: Oh, do you also have a sexual assault memoir? <laughs> I have a couple. <laughs> wow. Okay, Th- this is our like unintentional theme for the evening.
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um the my first pick is yesterday i cried by La vincent um it tells her story from um being raised by her her grandmother to being with her aunt where her uncle rapes her at like 11 years old and what well, she has to go through to Survived that and and it goes through each chapter has a has a theme about yesterday I cried and each preface of the chapter like yesterday I cried and I soaked the soiled tissues and I threw them at my feet and it's very moving and emotional and also empowering because she she survived all of that and and became a a therapist and she's a book writer and a talk show host and she did all of this despite being raped by her uncle and being abused by her dad and being you know just left abandoned by people in her life. So it is yesterday. I cried by young love Van Zant. <laughs> There's this beautiful song at the end called today. And I cannot find it. I cannot find it anywhere.
0: Oh, like you can't purchase it. You, you,
2: you can't purchase the song. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a very beautiful song. And it's like, Oh my goodness. I, to. I read it, reread it for the podcast, and I just tear up every time I hear that song because it's so moving. I will have to check this one out as well.
1: So I'm going to go a little bit um, happier, I guess. <laughs> so right. my next pick is, here we go again. My Life in Television by Betty White. Ha! Yay! (laughs) Um, So this book, it goes through Betty's 50, like, first 50 years of, like, of of being an actor, uh, an actress, as well as her time. It talks about her time in radio. Like, that's where she started. So she talks about... Um, doing the different, how back in the days when she was on radio, they actually had to act out and stuff for the commercials. So oh. there are sometimes there was like, if they didn't do a really good job, then that company never came back. Or they had like... Um, a certain amount of time that they had to like fill and the people that the guy that she was, she first started out with, I can't remember his name, but they would do it like completely off the top of their head. So I, I totally have great respect for her to be able to do that. Cause I couldn't even imagine. So then she talks about um, her time in television. So she started her first time when she was on television was when she was 23 and she, which was in nineteen, I think nineteen forty nine. And she talks about some of the different people that she's had the, the opportunity to act with. So she talks about her relationships with different um, well-known actresses of her time, and as well as actors. Um, she talks about. How when she first started out, the guy that she was with, he didn't, he felt that she should be home more for him because back then women, they kind of, they take care of the house, but with her grueling um, radio show schedule, like she really didn't have time to make him lunch and make him dinner. So he was really upset with that so they ended up they end up splitting up and then she talks about um her time on the mary the mary tyler moore show as well as her time in the golden girls which i Yay. absolutely love that show i love 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 that show yes um, she talks about how she loves game shows And, like, anytime she had the opportunity to be on a game show, like, she jumped at the opportunity because it's, like, her absolute favorite thing. Like, if she said if she could do a whole career of game shows, she would totally do it. I couldn't (laughs) even – I don't think I've seen her on a game show, but I could could only imagine how funny it would be. And then she talks about, like, the different times when they tried to have a Betty White show. I think there was, like, four or five different times that they tried – to have a Betty White show and it just never caught on.
2: Oh, That's sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's such a strong woman.
1: I know. <laughs> you know eh? I her. And like, oh, I, think thing, I think the biggest thing that, res- that I respect in her is her love of animals. Like, oh, she yeah. just has like, she does a lot with animals. Um, I know she was part of the, the Morris foundation which they're Uh actually doing. They have a golden study going on. It's like an ongoing study that takes uh, 3,000 goldens involved in it. And that's how I know the Morris Foundation. So it's kind of neat to find out that she was actually part of that. I don't know that she is anymore, but she used to be. And then she talks about, like, different actors that she was really close with. And then she talks about losing her, like, her... I think it was her third husband, third second or third husband, but like kind of like her true love, like her real soulmate. Mm, yeah. And she talks about losing him and yeah. it was just so sad. <laughs> but like, even though this book sounds like probably a little bit, could be boring with her humor, it makes it so interesting. Like even though I don't know a lot of these people that she talks about, because I didn't really watch a lot of the shows back then in the like 40s and 50s and stuff like that. In the 60s, <laughs> I really didn't watch any of that it. stuff.
0: No, I don't really think you were alive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I totally wasn't around. But my mom, like my stepdad, is was born in 1949, so he watched a lot of the older shows. But <laughs> I don't know. It was just a really good book. Like I just I laughed sometimes. Like I just burst out laughing and like hype was looking at me, like what's up, what's wrong with you? But you just you couldn't help but laugh sometimes. Like some of the little antidote she had when she's getting together with different people was just hilarious. Mm -hmm. So this is Here We Go Again, My Life in Television by Betty White.
2: My
0: grandmother is addicted to game shows, and so she watches, like, faithfully every single day the Game Show Network channel. <laughs> and on the game, Work Net- game Show Network channel is Match Game from, like, the 1960s and 70s. And if you watch mm-hmm. Match Game, you will see Betty White. Oh, oh I bet she's
1: totally on it. And a couple times, yes, like, she actually talks about where a couple of the different I can't remember which show I can't remember which game show it was, but at three different times they tried to have her as the game show host, but in the end, like oh, the that would be broadcast people, the mm-hmm. like the broadcast directors or whatever, they decided on the man because women are not like women have never been hosts kind of things back then. Sigh. So I would say it's like she's probably one of those, i say she's like a trailblazer, really, for women. Yeah, I
0: think she is. All right, so my role on this podcast, aside from like leading it and making the schedule, is pretty much always to bring us down. And so here we go. <laughs> down, down, down. What? <laughs> Into a pit of hatred. After all these years,
2: you're just telling me this? Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) So, my next pick for tonight is Unfollow, A Memoir of Loving and Leaving the Westboro Baptist Church by Megan Phelps. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, if you're not familiar with the Westboro Baptist Church, they are... A church whose parishioners or congregants or whatever you want to call them are pretty much, with very few exceptions, members of one family, the Phelps family. This church was started by the grandfather. And its basic premise is that pretty much God hates everybody except, like, these people, I guess. But their main target is gay people. And so their slogan has been for years God hates fags and they have all these like terrible song parodies that they make up that are sometimes about gay people. Um, There's one that's like a takeoff on Santa Claus is coming to town and it's Santa Claus will take you to hell. And it's just a really terrible, terrible group of people. Um, (laughs) It's very disturbing actually, because if you listen to it, it's these children that say it and it's like that's horrible horrible no it's like terrible lyrics it's it's very creepy i don't like it um but these people would protest military funerals and they would look for sort of scandal or dirt on the people who had died in the war in iraq and afghanistan and they would also look for information about their families And they would say that the reason these people died was because somebody in their family was somehow perverted, either they were gay or they were a child molester or just whatever they decided. And that because of this, God is punishing the world and killing people. So this is, this is not great. Um, Megan Phelps Roper is the granddaughter of the church's founder. And for the first like, 20 plus years of her life she kind of fell into their way of thinking hook line and sinker she protested from the time she was five years old she was in charge of the westboro baptist church social media accounts and she pretty much spewed hatred all over the internet and then something happened and she started to take a closer deeper look at the philosophies that fueled her grandfather's church. And she started to wonder if maybe these things were not quite as as cut and dry as he wanted them to believe. And so through getting to know people online and sort of expanding her own views of the world, she came to understand that the philosophies of this church are not things that she's actually comfortable promoting. And so she left the church a few years ago, and since then has kind of gone on a like an interview circuit and wrote this book and talks a lot about the, the hatred that she grew up feeling for people for no real reason. Like, she doesn't know these people. She doesn't know anything about them. But she was pretty much indoctrinated to hate them just because someone told her she should. And now as a woman who is able to think rationally and make decisions for herself, she realizes that, you know, if you're going to hate people, you need to really know them and understand them. And I'm not going to say that she is like an ally to LGBTQ people um, because I don't know that that's true, but she's also not full of the same kind of vitriolic hatred that she was when she was part of this church. This was a really hard book to read. Um, As someone who identifies as lesbian, it was really hard to hear like so much hate speech and just have it like out there in the world. And yet I did really enjoy watching her sort of see the error of her ways and understand that, you know, at our core, we are all people and we are, perhaps more similar than we are different. So this is Unfollow, a memoir of loving and leaving the Westboro Baptist Church by Megan Phelps Roper.
2: I've read reviews on this and I've seen it on a lot of shows, but I haven't read it yet. And I guess I better move it up on my TBR, which is pretty huge.
0: If you go to YouTube, there's a documentary that was done by. Um, oh. Ruby Theroux from the BBC. Mm-hmm. And it interviews. Like all these people. Like little kids will tell you. Like all the people that God hates. And it's like super disturbing. But it also sort of gives you. A look into. Yeah. Their beliefs. And like how. Yeah. How this happened.
2: I think they tried to. They showed up at. My cousin's funeral. He was a. He was killed in Afghanistan. Oh, and I'm sure they did. They tried to show they showed up, but uh my family's big were bigger than that crowd they had with them and they were told to leave and they did. <laughs> Usually they're, you know, falling on the ground. They're doing all kinds of things to oh, yeah, stir they're... up trouble, but <laughs> I think they were outmatched.
0: Christine's Christine's <laughs> nephew was killed in um in Iraq I believe Mm -hmm. and they showed up at his funeral and were horrible people
2: my next pick is I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou she um, wrote this and it it does chronicle her sexual assault but it also has a lot of humorous things in it like her and her brother clowning around in the church and she laughed so hard she peed, her, her, peed her pants and, <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. or how she had this imagination of how her grandmother would talk to the dentist about about um uh, having her teeth pulled or whatever and you know she has a lot of humorist, but the thing that still fascinates me is that she didn't speak for quite a long time because the guy that sexually assaulted her was killed and she thought it was because she um, had told who he was. Oh, And they never knew they never you know she never knew that that wasn't the reason he was killed. Um, And she was very tall, a very tall woman, and she kind of had a deep voice. If you've heard her speak, you you know what I mean. Um, and one spot in there, she was a teenager, and she says to this guy, would you like to have sexual intercourse with me? And, and, and I, just, I remember I laughed out loud a lot of times, and there were times when I was like, what kind of mother is this or what kind of father is this or you know or and it tells a lot about the folklore in the black community how you know they had to sweep the dirt so they would make designer patterns and she's sweeping and and these little white kids i call them little brats um were turning cartwheels and showing her grandma their butt. And grandma was like, oh, yeah, okay. And and how mad she was. So she was madly sweeping these patterns. And and then she had a really good relationship with her grandma, though. Um, you know, and I think she was the one that finally got her to talk again. So it's, it has some You know, sad things, but it is very humorous. And growing up, I can imagine—you know—you're brought up in the church in the black community, and that's one thing you don't do is show out in church. And that's what her and her brother did, and (laughs) she ended up getting a whipping because in the middle of church, she—they're making fun of the the minister and that's when she pees her pants and oh. she gets a, whip, a whipping later cuz instead of you know slinking back to their seats they're rolling all over the floor and they're laughing oh. and cutting
1: up, <laughs> I'm like oh Ooh. yeah
2: <laughs> so it's i know why the cage bird sings by maya angelou maya
0: angelou is phenomenal Mm -hmm. It is all I can say. Yes.
1: So my next pick is Just Mercy, a story of justice and redemption by Bryan Stevenson. So Bryan Stevenson... Was a young or is? I I don't know. I don't know if he's young now, but when this was written, he was a young. um, He talks about when he was a young lawyer and he started Equal Justice, um, the Equal Justice Initiative, and this was in Alabama, which has the most incarcerated, like um, death row inmates, and so his organization. They took on cases um, from people in poverty, but also of people that were wrongly accused. So this book, one of the cases that kind of goes along the whole throughout the book, like you kind of go back to it every once in a while, and then you go on to something different, is the, the, um, the case of Walter McMillian. And Walter was wrongly accused of killing a um, white woman or a white girl. And he was put on death row. So Brian takes on his case and goes through all the, like he talks about the different processes he has to go through, like, um, the different appeals he talks about. So you would think that like this book would be kind of boring, but it was actually, it flowed really nicely. Like it talked about um, other cases that they were doing. It talked about his fight for, um, for children that were incarcerated. Like he, um, he kind of took on cases of that because he, he felt that it was not very just for young children to be convicted of life in prison. Like given life in prison for things um, True. he was he talked about um, he talks about like different cases like other cases that he's done, and then he also talked about how there were times when like he never he really got no sleep because he just had so many cases that he was working on, and like when the when the um when e j i first started. It was, like, just him and a couple other people. Like, there wasn't very many until a while, like, it took a while for them to grow. And, like, just the cases just were overwhelming for him. So I think that, I like, I felt that this book was a good look into the American justice system and the injustices that happen, especially how it favors the rich and it kind of leaves the poor in the, like, in the dust. And how in his little kind of corner of America, he really tried to make a difference. So this is Just Mercy, a story of justice and redemption by Brian Stevenson.
2: Yeah, I have a personal connection to that that this particular book yeah um it takes place in my hometown You in alabama. Oh, that's, a, that's interesting you know yeah. i
0: wondered if i knew that you were from alabama and i wondered if it was anywhere like near um where this was i didn't realize it was the exact town
2: yeah it's the exact town and i also have a cousin that served on was on death row and they committed his sentence to life in prison because they lost the records or something (laughs) Uh uh-huh
0: because that's how
1: fantastic our justice justice system is Mm -hmm. it was hard like it was hard to read like i felt bad and i felt bad for him having to decide like what cases to take on because like there's just too many Like how, I just couldn't even imagine, like, how do you pick? Like, how do you say no to somebody? I just, I don't know if I could do it. You'd have to, but I don't know that I could do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess you you would have to, because, I mean, you can't, you can't do all the cases everywhere. Like, there's just not enough time in the world to do that, but it would be hard. All right, so my role, as I said, is usually to bring us down, but... That is not what I'm doing now. I am giving us a bit of a more favorable view of our justice system. This is Half Broke, a memoir by Ginger Gaffney. And Ginger Gaffney is a horse trainer. And she was called out to an alternative prison ranch in New Mexico to help some horses that were displaying very, very unusual behaviors Um, Apparently these horses would chase people when they were taking like garbage to the dumpsters and they would attack people and kick them and bite them and just basically like rule this ranch with with (laughs) terror. And this is not normally how horses behave. And the people who are in charge of this prison know that something needs to change, but they don't have a lot of expertise when it comes to horses. And so they reach out to Ginger who agrees to spend some time on the ranch and not only get to know these horses, but also get to know the prisoners who are working with these horses and try to affect some change in the way that these people relate to the animals. So she starts working with the prisoners and she learns that the ranch is kind of an unusual environment because it is still considered part of the prison system, but it's known as an alternative prison. It is supervised by other prisoners and it's a very difficult place to get into. Um, You have to have all these interviews and a judge has to agree that you can serve out part of your sentence on the ranch. Um, There are very strict rules once you're there. And so Ginger slowly begins to get to know a group of prisoners who work with these horses and it's just a really, really lovely look at the ways in which animals communicate with people and the way that by working with animals and developing close relationships with them, we can become in a lot of ways, better people. Um, I really enjoyed this. I was a pretty big horse lover as a kid and I just really enjoyed learning about the ways in which horses have been trained to help heal some people who are really in need of healing. This is a story about people who are in prison for drug offenses, people who have ser- are serving time for nonviolent criminal offenses, and just the ways in which they're trying to turn their lives around and the way Ginger and the horses can help them do that. Um, it's a pretty quick read. It's kind of split up into little vignettes that outline like her time on the ranch and the way that it affected her we also go back in time to ginger's early life and we learn a little bit about her and kind of what prompted her to become a horse trainer and how she ended up out on this new mexico ranch so this is half broke a memoir by ginger gaffney and i'm really really glad i picked it up
2: wow
1: i like that one too okay yeah (laughs) I downloaded this book. I just have Did read you? Yet. Yeah. Oh, I think you'll I, like it. I saw it, but I didn't know if you were going to do it. So I was waiting to see if you were going to do it. If you were going to do it, then I was going to do a different one. But if uh, you weren't, yes. I was definitely going to do it because I love horses.
0: Yeah, I think you'll really like it. It's, it's well done.
2: Okay. My next pick is A Piece of Cake by Cup cake brown and this is like the second time I read it and it tells the story of a lawyer and her, all her dysfunctional family I don't know where that noise is coming from and um, it also tells her story of abuse and, and basically her triumphs I mean she goes from being a prostitute to a lawyer and it it just chron- chronics her journey. Um, so that's A Piece of Cake by Cupcake Brown. And it's kind of short. I finished it in a couple hours. Yeah, It's a pretty
0: quick read, but it's like super intense.
2: Yes, that it is. That it is. I agree. I read I it. You'll have to look God. for it. It sounds really good.
0: Yeah, I think you'll like it. I read it, I don't know, probably eight or nine years ago now.
2: Yeah, I read it for the podcast. That was my second time reading it.
0: It's one of those. I feel like no matter how long it's been since you read it the first time, it kind of always stays with you, just because yeah, it doesn't it's so lose intense. Its luster. <laughs> no, it really doesn't.
1: So my last pick tonight is "Me" by Elton John, and oh. this book has actually been on my list for about a year now. So I was really excited that we are doing this episode because it gave me the opportunity to read this book. So Elton John, as everyone knows is, is a rock singer and this book, it chronicles his life from the time he, like he, it starts out when he is young. So he, um, his original name was Reginald Dwight, which I actually had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea that this was his name. So when I heard it, I was like, oh, really? I was shocked. So it talks about how he was very shy when he was young and how he had a bit of a difficult relationship with his parents. They weren't, the like, the most caring individuals. And then he talks about, I I guess I would say, like, the first part of the book is about him kind of finding his way in terms of his sexuality. Because he's really not, he can't, like, he's not quite, he doesn't, he's not quite there yet. He doesn't know what, what he wants or what would make him happy. So, like, the first part of the book talks about when he was 23 and he hit the rock scene, and it talks about how his first time when people in America first met him so he was wearing a silver silver tight silver pants and a shirt with rock and roll written in um rhinestones across his chest so you could you could imagine mm-hmm. meeting this individual and for the first time he could definitely like you would never you would he be unforgettable so he talks about that and he talks about his um his kind of failed relationships. He had um, a relationship with a woman and they got married, but then I think they were together four years, but not really together. Um, Cause they just weren't, they just weren't made for each other. And so he, they talk about that. And then he talks about his um, time growing up in Pinner. So he grew up in Pinner, England. And he talks about like how, I guess, like, the coolest part that I thought was he talks about dancing to disco with the queen. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was pretty cool. And, like, he talks about his relationship, like, his friendships with um, John Lennon, which I didn't know a lot about him. So it was so neat to hear about, like, the other side of John Lennon, not the... like not the side that you that everybody kind of the public side that you would normally see. And then he talked about um meeting Michael Jackson and how to him, like even as a young like a young man, Michael Jackson was a bit of an odd individual. And he talks about like how um Michael Jackson goes missing. And then they find him playing video games with, I think it was his, with one of uh, Elton John's friends, nephews or something. I can, I don't remember totally, but like he was some, he kind of talks about how he'd got, Michael Jackson got along better with kids because he just was such an odd individual. And then he talks about his time with um, his relationship, like his friendship with george michael and he talks about um starting his aids foundation and his his friendships with uh princess diana and then he goes on and he talks about having like being asked to sing candle in the wind at her at her funeral and how it was really 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 hard for him and like after her funeral like he he refuses to play that song and like yeah, I guess even though it's like it was it got so popular, like he he's heard it like he played it i think three times um i don't know if it was once her recording, and then a couple of times, like cause remember he made a different the different version of the original for her funeral, and so he sings it at her funeral, and then I guess he did must have done it for recording that people could buy, but then since then like he he will not play it at his concerts um and then he talks about um deciding like meeting David Furnish and how they fell in love and how um or I guess before that sorry he talks about having an about his addiction I didn't actually realize that for over a decade he was addicted to cocaine as well as um, as well as alcohol and food, so he has three addictions. So he ended up going to rehab for that, and then he's so after that kind of happened, he's having to find himself again, right? Because he really, when he was when he was doing drugs, he found he was able to come out of his shell more because he wasn't afraid of what other people thought because it was the drugs kind of talking. So then once he was off the drugs, he had to find, like, his, his self again. And then he talks about meeting David Furnish and how they slowly fell in love because normally he, he would meet somebody and he would just completely take over their life and tell them that they had to do this or that because he needed them. Like, he'd almost get obsessive. And, like, so obviously the relationships never worked out because he was so controlling and obsessive over things so then he talks about like how the relationship with David Farnish was so much like so different like it was it was so just how their relationship developed and how they decide to have children so they have two sons and then he talks about how he just um back in I try to remember I want to say 2017, I think is when he did his retirement tour because he decided that he really wanted to watch, he'd be able to watch his sons grow up. Like he didn't want to always be on the road, missing all of the, I guess, highlights of their life. And so he decided that he was going to retire. So the books are really good. Like it's really well-written. I laughed so hard at things. Um, he's very open. Like he doesn't, he doesn't pull his punches, and he's very honest about himself. So this book is "Me" by Elton John.
0: My mom saw his uh, farewell tour, and really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. So this book, if you don't want to read the book, um, his he's got the movie Rocket Man. Oh yeah, and I, I think they made a also, play of it too. Yeah, and so I, I think it kind of chronicles his life, similar. But I, I would assume you probably lose a lot of the more personal things that you get to learn about in his uh, memoir.
0: So let's move from rock and roll to mm-hmm. opera. <laughs> My last book tonight is Stand Up Straight and Sing by Jessie Norman. And Jessie Norman is one of the very few African-American opera singers in, in pretty much anyone's experience. She talks about how she had so few role models growing up. And there were a lot of people who didn't believe that a Black girl from the segregated South would ever really make it as a classical singer, and yet she did. Um, she grew up in a family that was very, very religious, so some of her earliest singing was done in church, and she became pretty well known as like a gospel singer, and she loved a lot of the older like, spirituals, but she really started to understand the power of the human voice and the way in which she could reach out to people if she took care of her voice properly. And so she started to train classically and discovered a love of opera. And she has pretty much sung like all over the world, um, in Europe, in different places in Asia, in America. She's just very, very well traveled, um, very well known and revered in classical circles. Um, I have heard her sing Um, If you go online, you can hear several of her performances, and she is fantastic. As someone who grew up studying classical voice, um, I was really intrigued to kind of see the world of opera through the eyes of a minority that's different from my own. Um, As a person with a disability, I have often felt... um, kind of unwelcome in in the world of of classical music. And not that I want others to feel that way, but it was sort of refreshing to know that, you know, it's not only people with disabilities who are looked down on. Um, She's very honest about the racism that she experienced. And some of it is just heart-wrenching. It's hard to read about. It's hard to understand how even, you know, now when we are supposed to be, so far removed from like the civil war and slavery. And yet people still have these really antiquated views of, of race and ethnicity. And they apparently don't hesitate to show it, unfortunately. So this was just a really great book, especially if you're familiar with classical music. She talks a lot about the composers who have influenced her Um, fellow musicians that she really admires. She talks about orchestral work. It's just really, really interesting, but like it has the feel of a really deep dive into kind of a niche subject. So it's probably not a book for everyone. Like if you don't really enjoy classical music, then you might not care so much about this, but I loved it a lot. It's Stand Up Straight and Sing by Jesse Norman.
2: Oh wow! I forgot about this book <laughs> yes i um I have heard her saying she did a a show in New York for the p b s station Yes, and she sang a lot of the Negro spirituals and gospel and yeah, yeah, I've seen her interview too. I really like her, and I don't like opera. <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty remarkable. And my last, moving on, <laughs> my last pick is "Zami," a new spelling of my name, by Audre Lorde. <gasps> um, Audre Audrey Lorde is a poet and an activist and she's also a lesbian um she chronicles her life from growing up in new york with her mom and her sisters and her dad and all the prejudices she went through and even the cultural differences that her parents tried to raise her with um one thing I was, I've never figured out, and I've studied this book, and I've studied Audrey Lord, how she um, was able to cheat with her, um, she worked in a factory where they had to um, break down radioactive rocks of some kind, Ooh. I can't remember the exact title, but she does mention that she told people she chewed them um, um yeah <laughs> and that's how, how she could make she would make her quota how um, did she i don't die? know if that was how i don't know how much of that is true um it tells the story of her first lesbian relationship and all the ones after that and it also tells of her abortion how she had to have an illegal abortion And um, that was very eye-opening that women had to go through that, especially Black women, to, you know, they couldn't afford it. So they had to figure out a way to um, have the procedure done. And which I thought was weird, weird too, is she kept the little instrument she used. She kept it. And I thought, uh... Why? <laughs> oh. Why? <laughs> would you want to do that? <laughs> that that oh, is just no, not... no, no,
1: <laughs> no. No.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and her mom never referred to her partners as her lesbian lovers or anything. He she just said, "How is your roommate?" That's how she would ask about that. Oh, yeah. Mhm. Uh-huh. So, so but apparently from the island that her mom and dad were born on it's folklore that the mother causes lesbianism which I disagree. Hello. With. I
0: yeah, right. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so,
2: um but um she I think she she was bisexual really um I've done some more reading on her and she uh married a man and had three children and um she died of cancer but she was living with a woman her woman partner at the end of that so it's not zombie, a new spelling of my name by Audrey Lorde Excellent.
0: All right. Well, that does it for us this evening. Thank you to Brooke and to Melissa for finding some really awesome memoirs that kind of run the gamut of people's (laughs) life experiences. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for all of her fantastic editing. And thank you so much to each and every one of you who join us each week as we talk
2: about some
1: pretty awesome books.